Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you today? I pray all is well. This message stirs your faith, falls on good ground, produces good fruit in your life. Um, We are in part 39 of the Trigger War series, and I am talking today about um, fight smarter. Yeah, because you have to understand that the enemy is going to fight grimy. The enemy fights dirty, baby. I mean, it, it, it. Sometimes you feel like you you wish you could just ask the devil, "Could you take a break? <laughs> could you take a break and just leave me alone, please? Like you just throwing everything at me, but the kitchen sink. <laughs> and then, oh, wait a minute, I just duck. Here come the kitchen sink. Dang, do you ever stop, devil? Can you ever get up? Like I said before, we sometimes we wish we could ask the devil to check in with us first. Let you know, we'll let you know when it's a good time to test us. We'll let you know when it's a good time to go into warfare, okay? We'll let you know when it's a good time to hit us with sickness, right? We all wish we had that advantage, but we don't. And so when the enemy comes in with his warfare, we have to be able to have the t- the tactical advantage, the wisdom on how and the strategy on how to defeat the enemy or how to combat his warfare in our life so that it doesn't destroy us because we learn in john 10 10 and and this is you know just going to be another anchor text as well so i told you guys before make sure you're studying the anchor message the anchor text of the scriptures galatians 5 19 to 26 ephesians 6 13 through 18 and then add in there john 10 10 as well so that you can understand that the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy But Jesus Christ came to give us life everlasting. So we have to understand that when the warfare is wreaking heaven in our life, as we learn in the scripture and in, um, um, oh, I can't think of of where it is. I think it's Ephesians, Ephesians 6, verse 5, I believe it is. You have to understand that we are not fighting against people. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities in the unseen world. That means we are fighting a spiritual battle. It may come in the form of a person, but you're not really fighting that person. And so even if it's in your family, if it's your spouse, for those of you that are married, you're not fighting your spouse. The enemy wants you to think that you're fighting your spouse. The enemy wants you to think that this is between you and your spouse. It's not. It's between you and the enemy. You got to see the battle differently. See the battle through the right lenses. With the right vantage point so that you may aim accurately. But as long as you continue to see the battle through what you can see through rose-colored glasses, through the person in front of you, then you're, you're, you're getting blurred vision. You're not seeing it clearly. It's, it's, dare I say, like Robin Thicke's song, Blurred Lines. You don't want to see it blurred. You want to be able to see it clear. That's why I said without a vision, the people perish in Proverbs. You got to have a clear vision in order to defeat the enemy's tactics in your life. And so before I get into this anymore, because I have a ton of scripture I want to get to, let me say a quick prayer and we're going to jump up in this thing, all right? Spirit of the living God, we come to you right now. We just want to say thank you for allowing this opportunity for my brothers and my sisters to hear and receive a word from you guys. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. You know what each person needs, Father God. And so I pray that you meet the needs of your children. Father God, those that who may not know you yet, draw and closer to them, Heavenly Father. May they beckon and hear wisdom crying out to, to them. And may they draw closer to you, God, like never before. God, those that want to know you much in a deeper way, help them to know you deeper, God. Help them to uh, discipline their self and their time to read and study your word, meditating on it day and night, Heavenly Father. Being able to teach it to their children and to their friends and to their loved one, Heavenly Father. God, just move in the only way that you can move so that you get the glory, so that people will know who you are for themselves they won't have to go and ask somebody about you they'll be able to say let me tell you about my jesus because i know what he's done for me and how he set me free as a father god just 
get the glory. Get the glory, Lord. Honor and praise. We keep none for ourselves. May I be decreased in this moment, Heavenly Father, so that you may be increased. And that it may this word fall on good ground, produce good fruit in the lives of each person who consumes it. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So fight smarter. It's so interesting because when I first was going to teach on this, I was like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and I know you'd be like, well, you done taught on Trigger War Series the entire season. Yeah, but see... I actually had this message titled something different and I didn't like the title. And so that's why I didn't want to do it because I was like, I can't think of nothing to put together with this. I don't know what scripture to use, Father God. And so I was just like, what? Jesus, I, I just need your help, Lord. Like, I don't really know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> that's just how I felt, y'all. I just felt like I don't know. And so... I prayed about it and then I was about to walk away because I was like, I'm done. Like, I, I don't know how I want to teach this thing and I give up. I'll just, you know, come back at it later or I'll, you know, postpone it till later. And then I just literally heard the Holy Spirit say, change the title. <laughs> I mean, it should, I know y'all probably like, duh. Yes, yeah, light bulb moment of a duh moment, but, um, it, it didn't dawn me at that time. I couldn't even think of another title. And so it was the Holy Spirit that gave me another title of Fight Smarter. And I was like, bet that's what it is, God. Thank you so much. Because it be, I've been teaching, especially all this week, but really all this series about tactical advantage and how you need to be able to fight off the enemy's warfare in your life. And it starts with being able to see it the right way being able to go against your opponent in the right way with the right uh, artillery with the right people on your team that are going to be willing to hold you up when you feel a little weak like I talked before with Moses um Moses Aaron and her but you also need somebody that even in your moment of weakness they gonna still keep fighting like Joshua Joshua saw Moses being weak and never said "Ooh, let me stop fighting against the enemy to go check on Moses no because he understood Moses still got other teammates that's a part of our team that's holding his arms up so I could still be on this battlefield fighting this good fight of faith knowing that I'm gonna knock out the opponent at every chance I get and for those that may have missed that message and want to know what scripture I'm talking about, go read Exodus chapter 17. Because I'm not going to go read that again. I read it before. I'm not going to read it again. I don't have time. But go read Exodus 17 for yourself so that you can can really be able to um, pray that. Some of you may not have an Aaron, a Moses, and a Her in your life. I don't mean H-E-R, I mean H-U-R. You may not have a Joshua in your life and so you need to pray to God to say God can you order my steps and direct my path so that I may en encounter and uh and befriend an, an Aaron in my life and a her in my life and a Joshua in my life so that I can fight off the enemy in my life you need the right people that will hold you up and that will take the initiative to keep fighting a good fight of faith as learned about in first Timothy when you don't feel like you can do it no more. You don't want to be, you don't want to have to always tell people what you need. I know that people aren't mind readers, but I do believe that if you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because this is why it's important to have the right team with you. And these are people that already are ahead of you and they already know God for themselves. They know his voice for themselves. They know how to pray and warn the spirit for themselves that they can do it for you. This is why it's so important to, um, that they hear God's voice. Because you may not even know what to tell them that you need. You may not even know how to go about asking them or telling them because you may feel a little uncomfortable asking for help. But the Holy Spirit will direct them to then help you. I can't tell y'all how many times when I was going through my Job Wilderness season where I was through a tough season, a tough time. And, and it might have been like, I'll give you a prime example since we all experienced this. When COVID hit. When COVID hit, unfortunately, I was one of those people that got um, hit with COVID. And I also got hit with, at the same time, double pneumonia in both my lungs. And so it was a very tough battle to stay alive. And thank God, you know, um, I got over that. And as I was in my healing process, eventually out of the hospital, but still healing at home. 
um, I couldn't because you know the way things were back then with the, res- the restrictions. I couldn't go out to the the uh, market to get me some food or nothing. But I thank God that there were people on my team in my support group. I talked about that before of like the type of team you need in your life. There were people in my support group that were like, "What you need? Just just send us the list of what you need, and we go get it." And sure enough, doggone it, they did go get it. I gave them my list, and they went and got everything I needed. And so it was a blessing to be able to just say, this is what I need. And they got it. Even and, and interesting enough, I, you know, with one of them in particular, I didn't even need to say what I needed. They knew I was coming out of the hospital and that I was going to need food and I was going to need water and I was going to need certain things. So they just took it upon themselves to say, hey, I went to the market today. I got a couple of things for you. I'm going to drop them off at your house. Uh, just let me know what you don't, you know, what's, what's in, up, whatever in the basket, um, whatever you don't want or, um, or whatever, you know, just see if you can get to somebody else or whatever and just send me a list and I'll go get like more stuff that you want. But you need you need people in your life that will be able to take the initiative when you can't say when you don't have the strength to ask for help that that, that they are that keen with the Holy Spirit that close with God where they will feel the echoing and the sense from God to say okay let me go show up in this way. It is important to have the right team in your life. So I go over it again for those who didn't know who weren't there who didn't listen to that episode. You need, number one, the Holy Spirit. It's, you know, if you think about your hand, the thumb is close to your heart. You need the Holy Spirit. The number two would be a licensed therapist. We all need to have somebody who has an unbiased opinion, who is neutral, that we can go and vent to. And I am always an advocate for a Christian licensed therapist because they will tie in the scientific, the practical coping mechanism with spiritual principles they will be able to tie in the two and because they they have that spiritual background as well that it leads to the third person of having a spiritual mentor because what they will be saying will work in tandem with each other you will be and i because i've experienced it which is how i'm able to give it to you there were times where I would be meeting with my licensed therapist, my Christian therapist, and then I would, um, and she would say something to me, and and then I might talk to my mentor later on that day, and then she would say the same thing. I didn't even get to tell her what the therapist said, but she would say the same thing, which would then be echoing confirmation from God that I needed to receive that word. I needed to receive the encouragement that the therapist gave me. So it's very important to have somebody who believes in the same thing you believe in. Otherwise, they're going to be just spewing whatever to you and you just consuming any old thing. And you don't want that. Um, Number four would be support group. You need to have a support team in your life. These are not going to be your friends. Because a support group is if people who have been where you are, they overcome, they have um, they have the story to tell of how they overcame and they're much more ahead of you. They've seen the victory in their life so that they can then pour into you how to get the victory. Your friends a lot of times have not been through the same warfare you're going through. They may not have been through warfare at all to know what you're going through. I remember, uh, for example, with I entered into my Joe Wilderness season because of the death of my grandparents. And my grandmother was very much like my mother and my grandfather was very much like my father to me because my father wasn't really around. Um, and I talked, talked about him before because he was an addict and my mother and I, you know, haven't always had the best relationship. And so my grandmother was like that nurturer to me. She was my best friend. So when they left, there was a big hole in my heart and I felt like an orphan. It was very hard to deal with. My friends didn't know what that felt like. They still had their parents. They still had their grandparents. They didn't know what that pain felt like that I was going through. So I had to go to some people. I had to put together a support group of some people who understood what that felt like. Because they've been through it. They were able to pour into me and help encourage me to get through the pain. This is why it's important to put together the right team because these people are not going to be your friends. Your friends will not know how to, to combat the enemy the way other people who have been through it will 
And then the last one is a spiritual life coach. Just like a regular life coach on a team, you need somebody who can see how the enemy about to set up to attack you, to give you battle strategy, you know, how to get on the, on the field or on the court to, to make the right shot, to make the winning shot. You need somebody who's also going to cheer you on, to support you and root for you and encourage you. A, a spiritual, um, Life coach is important. And the reason why you need all of these, all of these people on your team is because one or all may not be available at the same time. There were many a times where my spiritual mentor wasn't available, but my life, my uh, licensed therapist was available. There were other times where neither one of them were available, but somebody in my support group was available. And then, all you know, everybody wasn't available and, and all I had was the Holy Spirit. You know, so this is why it's important to have many people in your team, in your artillery. These are your weapons that will help you to fight the battle up ahead. Because, and the reason why I say these are your weapons is because all of these people, include my licensed therapist, because she was a Christian, prayed for me as well. It wasn't just about them giving me encouragement and advice and, or listening to me. Um, you know, cry or vent or whatever. It was also their ability to pray for me and pray my strength when I didn't have the strength to pray. This is why I was saying before of, of Moses' story, you need an Aaron, a her, and a Joshua so that if you can't fight the good fight of faith, they need to fight it for you. If you can't pray for yourself, they're there to pray for you. They're there to go to God on your behalf. A lot of times your friends can't do that. They don't know how to do that, especially if they're your friends that you've been clubbing and drinking and partying and smoking them with. You need to have the right team in your life. And so, and with the right team, it will help you fight smarter. And so go with me to, um, let's start at first Samuel 14. You know what? No, I'm sorry. Let's let's switch it up. I want to go to Judges first. I'm gonna eventually get the first Samuel, but I want to go to Judges first. Let's start with Gideon. Judges chapter seven. Gideon is one of my one of. I have many favorites in the Bible, but Gideon is one of my favorites because I have my Gideon moments. Yeah, and what that means is if you go read Gideon's story as it first starts in Judges chapter six. Gideon um encounters the it's called the angel of the Lord, but it's really like God in 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 flesh and carnal. This is before Jesus was born. And so um Gideon encounters the Lord, and the Lord says to him, Um, you know, mighty man of valor. He calls him a, a warrior, basically, a hero. And Gideon like, who are you talking to? <laughs> because Gideon didn't see himself that way. He saw himself with the condition of where he was. Remember, I've been teaching you all on the six triggers in your life. You have three of them that come directly from God. The other three are used by God, even though the enemy sends it. But it also ties into God. And so the, the all, all six of the triggers, I'll go through it again, is number one, three healthy triggers uh, that um Doors opportunity, number one, triggers that reveal truth about who you are. Number two, triggers that unveil the truth about who you are becoming. Number three, triggers that push you into purpose and help you to fulfill your destiny. Number four, these are unhealthy from four to six, uh, unhealthy trigger wars sent by the enemy. Number four, triggers that remind you of painful experiences. Number five, triggers that remind you of who you used to be. And number six, triggers that can potentially cause you to backslide into sin. This does not mean that when this warfare comes, that God still can't use it for good. Because he says it in uh, in Genesis chapter 50, but he also says it through through Joseph that says you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. It, you know, um, and it's also reiterated in um, in Romans chapter 8. Verses 28, I believe, where it says, and God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are according to his purpose. That means that even when the enemy sends the warfare your way, God is still going to use it for good. So the, the warfare does not come to destroy you, even though the enemy's um, sole purpose is to destroy you. Jesus says, I came to give you life everlasting, so I'm going to help you get through that warfare. You got to trust in me and know that this will not defeat you, that this will not kill you, that this will not um, cause you to die. There's some things that's going to be burned out of you because you're going to go through a purifying, purifying process through the testing, through the warfare. It's purifying you, but, but it's not going to kill you. 
And so what we see with Judges when he, uh, and with Gideon's story, story in Judges is you see him encounter the truth about who he will become, but also the truth about who he is. He's having this moment with God about, well, you're calling me a mighty hero, but I feel like the least in my clan, the least in my family. I feel like the black sheep of the family, basically, but you're saying that there's great purpose for me. Because God doesn't look at us and see the condition of where we are today. He doesn't see who we are today. He does help us see who we are today. But then he reveals the truth about who we will become. Like Gideon, mighty man of valor or mighty hero. Even though you can't see yourself that way because you only see from the lens of your today. But God sees through the lens of your tomorrow. Hello, somebody. So you got to be focusing on and listening to and receiving the word of God that he's releasing over your life. That's the purpose he has for you. I'll give you an example for me. Twice I went through this uh, so far. <laughs> and I pray I don't go, go through it again. But I remember when I first got my marching orders from Jesus back on April 25th, 2017. Is when he first told me to teach the gospels. Um, he was giving me the authority to do so and to do so through my story. And so, uh, basically if you go read, uh, oh, what scripture is it? I believe, I believe it's first Corinthians 12. You will find out who are the, the leaders in the church. And one of the leaders that, that God gives the church are teachers. They, they, the leaders are apostles disciples um pastors teachers prophets and evangelists and so when god was calling me to be a teacher i was like okay what does that really like entail <laughs> you know and does that mean i'm supposed to like i took it literally as we know teachers to be today in modern terms like you know your school teachers and so I was like, okay, I think God wants me to go back to school. This and the other end. God was like, that ain't what I said. <laughs> he really had to like work on me. And also through my spiritual mentor and my licensed therapist to say, I don't think God wants you to do that. You already have a degree in psychology. You already have the talent and the skill set, you know, to be a therapist. I think God wants to use you in that capacity. And so through them pouring into me and then me praying about it, God helped me understand. No, I called you to be a teacher, which is part of being a part of your assignment and being a leader in the church it wasn't until years later very recently actually uh i want to say 2021 is the earliest that i can remember where i started to hear the echo of god saying uh prophet i'm calling you to be a prophet and it was just like what and he kept saying jeremiah and was like i'm calling you to be a prophet to the nations and i was like I don't want to, no, 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 Jesus. Wait a minute now. We, we, we ain't talk about that. <laughs> you know, when I answered the, the yes, <laughs> see, I wish God, just like we say, we wish the devil would, would check in with us first to see if we want to be tested today. Sometimes I want those people that I'm like, I wish God would give us the full map before we say yes. <laughs> okay. Can you tell me what that's all going to entail of my yes? You know, and that's why it's interesting that he talks about counting the cost of being a disciple in Luke 14, because part of it is understanding what you're going to go through. But the other part is, is, is something that you don't know. You don't know what all is going to come about it. You don't, you just, God just shows you literally, um, one, think of a dark room and then somebody lighting, uh, a light right in front of your feet. And that's it. And so you're like, okay, I could see right there to step right there because it's lit right here. But we're supposed to step the next step because I can't see because it's like pitch black. And some of y'all may think you've seen pitch black dark before. I'm seeing my baby with no electricity coming through at all. No moonlight at all. Like it, I've been in some places before where it is some wilderness literally in the earth. Uh, Some places and cities and states where it's like dark 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 and there's some people that that live in certain continents like even africa where when it get dark it get dark baby you ain't seen dark you're somebody that dark where you can't even see your hand in front of your face it's so dark i've been places like that before where it is so dark i can't see my hand in front of my face and then yet a light flashes in front of you that says okay move right there and so you can see the ground clearly right there. You move right there. But you're like, well, we're the next step. And, and, and that's how God works. He's like, I'll light the next step. 
You just got to take the first step and move. <laughs> and you like, God, can't you just give me the whole path laid out? But if he, he knows that if he does that, we will say no. We will be like, uh-uh, sorry. That, that's a little too, that is too much to go through. That's too much that is assigned to that. And so, no. And so, sure enough, when the Lord was telling me about Jeremiah, and I know the book of Jeremiah in the Bible, I said, oh, heck no, Jesus. Now, bad enough, you already was telling me about, about Job and how I was going through a Job over in this season. Now you're throwing in Jeremiah, and you're trying to call me and be a prophet. And, and oh, no, I ain't trying to suffer like Jeremiah suffered. Jesus, come on now. Didn't I suffer enough? <laughs> so, but, you know, he, he, he does that to to get us going he knows the path let, laid out for us and it's not to destroy us it's not to cause us any harm it's for god's glory but we just have to be obedient to take the first step and so um and so it was hard for me when I first was being told to be a teacher, but I showed up, I did what he told me to do. I walked every step that he lit and I did that. But when he was shifting me to be, or, or adding on rather the mantle of a, of a prophet, I was like, uh, okay. Um, uh, okay, God, I'm gonna be obedient, but I, you know, I'm need you to help me through this. And it's been, it's, it's still been a challenge, like from time to time. And he'll work through my, my spiritual mentor where times where she'll just be like, Hey, prophetess. And they'll be like, uh, <laughs> my name, Andrea. <laughs> but she's speaking to where I'm, but who I'm becoming. Just like the angel of the Lord was speaking to Gideon of who he's becoming. You don't see yourself as the warrior just yet, but God sees you that way. And so he had to, you know, step up to that. So I'm not kind of gave you like a, a all around story of Gideon and kind of threw me a little bit uh, to help you understand where we are right now in the text of Judges 7. Because now Gideon's about to go into battle. And so because this is the first time where Gideon is, is allowed to show up in the, in the way and the identity, the full authority that God gave him of calling him a warrior and a hero, he's like, okay, bet. I'm going to take a whole bunch of people with me. I'm going to gather me a, a huge army because I think that's the only way I'm going to be able to be a warrior. That's the, only way I'm gonna, that's the only way I'm going to be able to be a hero. And so he doesn't find out until he gets on the path and we'll read it in the text where God says, uh, no, <laughs> I got a different plan because I'm going to have you fight smarter, not harder. You think that the the way you're going to do it is all these people are going to go with you and, and you'll do it. But see, the way God works is if he allows you to do it that way, you'll then give yourself the credit to say, I did this in my own strength. So this is why a lot of times he will, um, he won't put more on us than we can bear, but he will make the picture so big. He will make the problem so big. The warfare will seem so um heavy that you like oh my god i need jesus okay i really can't deal with this the sickness will be so severe where you will realize even with the doctor's help i still can't get through this i need jesus okay because this is just too big it's too many variables and, and probabilities of you saying that i might that i might not make it uh, i need jesus because jesus is the ultimate final say he is the creator and so i know what he say will go he has the authority. And so let's read Judges chapter 7 to see just the technical advantage and the strategy that God gave Gideon to fight his battle. Tell you, the Bible is not boring, y'all. You're boring if you don't know how to read it. <laughs> That's what that is. And so Judges chapter 7, starting from the first verse, and y'all bear with me with these names, y'all, uh, but we're going to get through it. it. reads like this. So Jeroboam... That is Gideon. That's Gideon's name. And his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. 
So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Hold on. Uh, Jesus, did you just tell me I got too, I got too many people? I'm sorry. Uh, no. I, 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 I had the 32,000 that I needed to get victory. And you telling me I'm about to go into war, but I got too many men? Jesus, 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 come on now, Jesus. <laughs> How you expect me to fight this battle then, Jesus? I mean, I was with you when I had a 32,000. But now that you saying I need uh to, to take some people away, uh, 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 hold on, Jesus, now. What you, what you doing? <laughs> uh, get a little nervous here. <laughs> so, <laughs> baby, so Gideon had to let them go. And that only left 10,000 people. Are you kidding me? To go against the enemy who seemed like he got millions of people? All right, Lord, but listen to this part, y'all, because y'all ain't ready for this. Verse 4 says, but the Lord told Gideon with the 10,000 you got, there are still too many. What? Jesus, now come on. What you mean is too many? You, 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 you want me to go to war, right? It's only 10,000 now because you took away the 22,000. So it's only 10,000 now. Are you still telling me I got too many people, Jesus? So the Lord continues, bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. And one group put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. And the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drink with their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> the Lord told Gideon with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Hold on, Jesus. No, 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 no. <laughs> what you mean? <laughs> I got to send home the rest of these 7,700 folk. Uh-uh. Come on now. I, I need these people now, Jesus. What you talking about? I might have got my, my numbers wrong, y'all, but not 9,000. Here you go, 9,700. What you talking about, Jesus? I, I need these people. I know you said you're going to give me victory. You already called me a warrior. You already called me a hero. But you now are just slashing down my numbers. To put this into a, a modern terminology for you to understand, for those that are not like warriors on a field, um, this would be like God telling you to start that business. And you like, okay, I got to go, go get the business loan because I only got $300 in my bank account. And God says, no. Don't go get a business loan. Start the business with the $300. And you're like, but wait a minute, God. I got I got food. I got this. I got that to take care of. I only got $300, but I need this, 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 this to be able to start the business. God, what you talking about? That ain't enough, Jesus. And he says, no, I'm going to give you the business. You, It's enough. You just got to have the, just go with the $300. Or, or it could be like God saying, move somewhere with this little bit of money that you got. And you're like, but wait, what? Where I'm going to work, where I'm going to this, and God saying no, like he told Abraham, just go where I show you and tell you to go. And, and that's it. Just trust I'm going to handle you and I'm going to supply your needs. <laughs> so, I don't know about y'all, but but for me, as I'm reading it, as y'all can see, I'm like, uh-uh, Jesus, no. What you talking about? Uh, I need a little more than that, Jesus. But I had to learn. I'm, I'm laughing and being, you know, silly with y'all, kicking with y'all, but... I had to learn for myself that when God was telling me to do something that seemed too hard to do, that seemed like I needed more things. The reason why I told you guys about when he first called me to be a teacher and then shipped me to be a prophet. When he first called me to be a teacher, I told my mentor and, and my licensed therapist, I was like, oh, I need to go back to school and I need to do this and I need to... um Find a pastor that's going to certify me. And da, 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 da. I even asked my pastor to certify me. Like, who's, cause she's my pastor. My spiritual mentor is a pastor. And so I was like, well, how am I get my certification? Or what are you going to do? And I went through all these things. And God not only told me directly, but also confirmed it through them 
saying go in the strength that you have what you have in your hand is enough i don't need you to go back to school for this i don't need you to go get certifications for this uh, i just need you to start where you are and be obedient to start where you are and that was hard for me it was i ain't, ain't gonna lie to you it was hard it was a little struggle at first because I just, I I, I couldn't own that identity. I couldn't, even though I, I moved, I moved like a little snail, okay? I couldn't own that just yet because I felt like, God, but I need this. I don't feel like I'm this. And he says, you need me. If you got me, I'm all you need. You could take that to the bank because I'm all you need. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously. And he will give you everything else you need. But the first thing is seeking him. Once you seek him, he gives you instructions on how to live righteously. Living the way he told you to live. And so part of that living the way he told you to live is walking out the assignment he gave you. No matter how big it may seem for you. No matter how much you think you're going to need. God says, I'm all you need. I will give and add everything else unto you when you do what I tell you to do. When you be obedient. And so getting him to find it out for himself, just like I did the hard way of, okay, will my obedience pay off? And so he went ahead, it says, um, in verse, uh, let's start at verse eight. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night, the Lord said, get up, go down into the Midianite camp. For I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. I'm going to pause right here before I get to verse 12. I love that God knows us so well. And he's a loving father that he says, I understand that what I told you to do and how I'm telling you to show up, the strategy I've given you on how to fight smarter may seem a little hard for you right now. So I'm going to throw a bone your way, basically. I'm going to um, say, you know, give you a little bit strategy that will make you feel a little comfortable to move by saying, do this first. It makes me think about my own story. When I first started teaching after Jesus told me to teach, um, I didn't know really how to do that. But the first thing he gave me the release to do, which I already was doing, was start teaching through my blog. At that time, I had a blog called ajeeslife.com. And and I started that. So it, from 2017 to 2020, I was just writing on the blog and teaching that way because that was comfortable for me. It's the same thing that he's telling Gideon to do. Go with what's comfortable for you. So if it's comfortable for you right now to go scout it out, to trust that I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to show up in the way I told you I'm going to show up, then do that. And so that's what I did at first. And then in 2020, towards the end of 2020, about October 2020, God then said, okay, start teaching small groups. But I couldn't move into teaching in front of people had I not took the first step of teaching through my blog, which was still teaching in front of people, but it wasn't the people seeing me directly. They will read it later when I was done posting, but they wouldn't see it directly. So God will always give you the right strategy to move in the way you need to move. And he understands that you may be afraid. That's why he says, go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength that I've given you and move that way first. Your obedience is what matters. He said that in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, what's more important to God? Your obedience or your sacrifice? Chapter 15, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 15. You have to be obedient to God's voice first to move the way he tells you to move. And then he will give you more strategy as you move. And so, continuing in verse 12, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Go Google what a swarm of locusts looked like. That's how much people it looked like to Gideon with his 300 men, which is why he thought he needed 32,000. But God said, even though they may seem vast, I'm going to still give you victory if you go in the way I'm telling you to go. And you will be able to give me glory for this victory because you know it was no way that you went and battled this people that looked as thick as a swarm of locusts 
with your 300 men. That's why he said earlier, this is why I don't want you to go with all of them. Because y'all would then say y'all did it by yourselves. God will always give you a big dream, a big, a big vision, a big purpose. Heck, sometimes even a big giant to face like David with Goliath. So that you know you need him to face the battle. You cannot do it in your own strength. It's not about fighting in your fist with your fist because you feel like you're the best boxer. It's about trusting God and, and then listening to him on how to fight your opponent. And so continuing in the scripture, their, their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore. Too many to count. Think about sand for a minute. Think about a beach. Go Google a beach if you ain't ever been to a beach before. Think about a beach. That's how many camels it looked like. Again, too many to count with his 300 men. But God was saying, I want you to still go scout this out. This is what makes you comfortable. Scout it out. But trust, I'm going to give you the victory. Continuing on to verse 13. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, Your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed and worshiped before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up! For the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, Keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horn, blow your horns too all around the entire camp and shout, For the Lord and of for Gideon. It was just after midnight after the changing of the guard when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their clay jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Shittah near Zerah and to the border of the Abel Mihola near Tabeth. Then Gideon sent for the warriors of Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, who joined in chasing the army of Midian. Gideon also sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallow crossing of the Jordan River at Beth Herah. So all the men of Ephraim did as they were told. They captured Oreb and Zeb. The two Midianite commanders killing Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. And they continued to chase the Midianites. Afterward, the Israelites brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan River. I wanted to read this whole thing before I started to explain to you. Because I wanted you to see just how Gideon's obedience defeated the enemy and how God showed up to defeat the enemy. He allowed them to get so frazzled in the confusion of the fire and the ram's horn and the and the screaming and shouting that they got so afraid and started to kill each other. Before the Israelites even got on the battlefield, they were killing each other before they got there. This is what it means to fight smarter. You fight with the fight of God, with the strength, the power, the might of God. You stand in the way he tells you to stand. You show up in the way he tells you to show up. You you go to bed in the way he tells you to go to bed. Just like David with Goliath. David couldn't wear Saul's armor. I talked that before. David couldn't wear Saul's armor to go fight Goliath. Because he had never trained in that way. But he trained in the way of a shepherd using his slingshot and stones and his staff. And that's all he had to go fight Goliath. But it was enough. God allowed Goliath to be knocked down with just the stones and a slingshot. 
God will always allow you to defeat your enemy with what you have. You don't have to think about what you need, how you got to get some more weapons, how you got to go do this and do that, and how you may, whatever you think you need. God says to, the, to you today, I don't know what everybody needs right now, but whatever you, whatever comes to mind right now that you think you need to make the move that God's telling you to move, to show up where he's telling you to show up, to shift gears where he's telling you to shift gears, to fight in the way he's telling you to fight. God saying to you today, you don't need that. Just show up where I'm telling you to show up. Just move where I'm telling you to move. Just go where I'm telling you to go and know that I got you. You don't need what you think you need. You just need me. And you just need to be obedient and move the way I'm telling you to move. God will supply your needs every step of the way if you just move in, in the way he told you to move. And so last scripture before I go, uh, I told you I would get to 1 Samuel chapter 14, starting at... um. You know, let's start at the first verse. I'll start the first verse. This is only going to be a few verses here. Um, but 1 Samuel 14, here is another situation where they are in a battle. And as they are in a battle, God gives Jonathan strategy. The Lord confirms how he's going to show up for Jonathan. And mind you, he has a whole army with his father, King Saul. This is the king before David. He has a whole army. Yet, Jonathan had wisdom and, and, and insight to say, I bet we could show up this way. I bet we could fight a little bit smarter this way and God will give us the victory. If God doesn't give us the victory, then God will confirm that he won't and we'll go back to the whole army. But and so you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying as I read the text. First Samuel 14, starting the first verse reads, one day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outposts. But Jonathan did not tell his father what Saul, what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother Ahitub, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who had served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sina. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Baby, what I just told y'all. Jonathan had enough insight to know who his God was. To know who was on his team. Forget the people. He knew God was on his team. And if God was backing him, then heaven had to show up. He knew this for himself. You got to know this for yourself, baby. That the battle you facing belongs to Jesus, not to you. So the enemy may come to you, but the victory is already yours. He may come to you through people, but you can stand your ground and be still and know that God is God and that he's going to show up and show out in your life. You just got to see the battle the right way. And so continuing in verse seven, do what you think is best. Armor bearer replied, I'm with you completely. Whatever you decide, what I've been saying, you need the right team, the right people who are going to say, whether you go this way, right, left, stop, I'm with you. I'm riding so the wheels fall off. This is very different than people who say I ride or die. I'm not, I'm not asking you to die for me. I'm asking you to ride for me knowing that the victory is ours and God will allow us to live. I don't need you to be, do something foolish and, and go die and be, and be silly. You know, and people use that in, in, in hip hop and in the streets to mean like, oh, let's go and, 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 and go, uh, go go to drug war or go um, fight these people who don't wear the same colors we wear and, and whatnot. And so, no, that ain't the battle I'm talking about. This is the battle of faith. The Philistines represent pagans of non-believers. The Israelites represent Jesus people. The Israelites represent God's chosen people. This is what this is talking about. This is a spiritual battle. Again, it's people they're facing. Philistines are people but it's still a spiritual battle that they're facing. This is why he has the, the, the mentality to say, if God be for us, who could be against us? 
And so the Lord is going to be with us. But we got a lot of people with us or a little bit of people. And so continuing in the text. Um, all right, then Jonathan, Jonathan told him, we will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, being cocky, then we will go up. I put the cocky part in there, but uh, come up on and fight. Then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he is with us and will defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are calling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Key, key, key. Well, I tell you guys, fight smarter. God will give you strategy. God gave Joshua, I mean, excuse me, Jonathan, the wisdom to have strategy that said, this will be the sign that you will know God with you. If they say these words, bam, we know God with us. And we know that the army of heaven, even though we can't see, will back us in defeating this, this enemy. And so continuing on, when the Philistines saw them coming, oh, I, I said the part, uh, come on. Climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer, killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties, and then an earthquake struck an Everyone was terrified. God wants you to fight smarter. If you don't get anything from this entire message, this entire series even, is that God wants you to understand that you are his child. He has your back. He wants you to fight smarter and to know your opponent. And to know your opponent means that you recognize that he is not bigger than your God. He is a small little kitty cat compared to the lion that is of Judah that is your God. He he not even a chicken, he's a chick. Okay? He he a little he a little duckling. God is an eagle baby. He's much bigger. And you got to understand that God is going to defeat your enemy in your life, but it is according to the power that works in you because Jesus already did his part. Jesus already died on the cross for your sins and also to take back the power, the authority of death from the enemy. The job now is for you to continue to overcome the enemy by your testimony, by you getting through the test to have the testimony. But you got to see the battle the right way. As long as you keep seeing it the wrong way, the enemy will continue to wreak havoc in your life. Don't let the enemy keep beating you down. Learn to fight smarter in this season of your life. So I pray this message stirs your faith, gives you something to think about. Um, may you apply these messages and these biblical principles to your life so that you may see uh, just how God gives you the victory in your life. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord God be gracious to you, show you his favor, and give you his shalom, give you his peace. Take care. Bye now.